0: All right, with a show of hands, how many of you think you're going to set at least one goal this year? 2018, at least one? Yeah, if we, if we took even just a minute or two, we'd all come up with some sort of goal. It could be a big goal because lots of people set fitness goals and a lot of people set financial goals. A lot of people set relational goals or character goals. And a goal doesn't have to be something you write down. It could just be something smaller. It could just be something you want to accomplish in the moment. You want to you get a project done on time. You want to get a test done on time. You want to get a higher score in a game. You want to learn some lyrics to a certain song. You want to not burn your frozen pizza, right? You, just, you set these goals, some of them bigger than other ones. And, and they can be big. A lot of people set some really ambitious goals. You want to strengthen your marriage, or you want to get out of debt, or you want to find a way where you can make a substantive impact on our world. You know, we, we set these goals, big ones, small ones. It's a time of year where a lot of us pause and we say, okay, with this coming year, what kind of goals do you want to set? And so we thought this would be a great season to launch a series on prayer. On prayer. If the Bible is true, and I believe it is, it contains an invitation that a lot of times I take for granted. I don't stop to think of what this invitation to prayer really is. If prayer is as the Bible describes, think about this. Normal people like you and me, Normal people like you and me, we have direct, unfiltered access to the king of the universe. I don't stop to think about prayer like that as often as I should. We have a direct audience. If prayer is, as the Bible describes, a direct audience, unfiltered, we can come before the king of the universe. And the king of the universe deeply desires to guide us, and he deeply desires to give us good things. That makes the invitation all the better. If this is all true, if if these things that the Bible says about prayer are true, then if prayer is a means by which we can receive wisdom from an all-knowing God who wants to help us make good decisions, and if prayer is a means by which we can bring requests before an all-powerful God who wants to give us good things, if this is true, then there's no more important goals than we could make, are there? than goals that would involve prayer somehow. Now, there's those who argue that most people today and most people who've ever lived have engaged in prayer at some point in their life. It's really interesting. The people that study these things and go all around the globe and, and go throughout history, it's, it's almost impossible to find a culture where prayer isn't present. If you can find one, you found the exception rather than the rule. Prayer is something that, that just happens in all cultures Everywhere. Uh, In fact, one of the interesting things when they do studies on this is they find that even atheists find themselves fighting the urge to pray at different times in their lives. It's interesting. According to Gallup polls, more than half of Americans, or excuse me, according to Gallup polls, more Americans will pray this week than will exercise or go to work. Some sources say 9 out of 10 Americans report praying in, in an average week. And yet, as big as these stats are, the overwhelming number of people, um, when, they, when they're honest, when it comes to prayer, even though a lot of people say we're doing it, most of us, we feel inadequate, or we feel like we're not doing it right, or we feel like we're not doing it enough. We have uh, some anxiety, maybe even some guilt surrounding prayer. And it's interesting, as I've been doing a lot of reading on this, um, the list of people who have reported these types of things when it comes to prayer. Like, I'm not hearing from God. I don't think I'm doing it right. It's people like the late Mother Teresa. It's people like Billy Graham. It's people like both of the authors of both of the books that I'm going to recommend for this series. It's people like me, where we would we think, boy, it feels like prayer isn't all that it should be in my life. What would I do about that? What in 2018, what step could I take so that I'm experiencing more of of what prayer is. Now, if you've been around Emmanuel for a while, you know that this is a topic that we really care about. In fact, I was looking back on previous years, and over the last five years, here are some of the ways we've approached this topic. It's a topic we come to from different angles. In 2016, we touched on this topic in the form of spiritual warfare in a series that we called This Kind. In 2015, we did our best to dispel the notion that there's a one-size-fits-all way to approach God with a series that we did called Uniquely Yours. In 2014, we provided biblical principles that you can anchor onto when it comes to different seasons of life. Sometimes prayer looks different in different seasons of life. That was walking with God. And then we don't duck the hard stuff at this church. And in 2013, we took on a number of really tough questions, including tough questions about prayer in a, in a series we called Questions That People Ask. And then in 2012 we wrestle with the question, with all those voices that are out there, if it's true that God speaks, how do we know it's God and and not just our own head or not some other voice? So this is a series, um, these are series that we've done in the past, and what we want to do this time is we're going to take on a series called Answered Prayer. Answered Prayer. And there's a place to write this down. If you're new to our church, we have these outlines we provide each week, and, and here's the first thing we'd encourage you to write down. This is what this whole series is going to be about, not just today, but the series that we're starting. If God hears our prayers, why do so many of our prayers appear to go unanswered? If he truly is all hearing, all knowing, all wise, why is it that we, when we pray, so many of our prayers appear to go unanswered? And to kind of give you a, a, a look into where we're going with this series, if we go to the next slide, here's... Here's sometimes how the answers are to our prayers. Next week, we're going to talk about how sometimes the answers try again to our prayer, where it's being answered, but just not the way we think. Sometimes the answer is no. What we say is an unanswered prayer. No, it was answered. And the answer is no. We're going to look at that in two weeks. Sometimes the answer is wait. Caitlin's taken that one on in three weeks. And then sometimes the, prayer, the, the answer is, hey, glad you asked, because you're going to be part of the answer to that prayer. You know, And we're going to take that on in four weeks. And then I'm really excited because the last two weeks of the series, we're going to get, we're, hopefully all of those are going to be practical, but the last two will be especially practical. We're going to spend a whole week on, okay, as a family, what does it look like? How do we do this in the real world with our schedules and stuff? What, what would it look like to pray as a family in a more God-honoring way? And then the last week, we're going to start, we're going to talk about as a church. You know, What does is, what is the next level of prayer look for, like for us? as a congregation. So I'm really excited about where we're going. Well, this morning, for those that like to know where we're going today, here's what we're going to do. In the time that we've got, we're going to look at a few attempts to define prayer. That's really important if we're going to start a series on it. We're going to really briefly touch on the difference between biblical prayer and magic. They're two very different things, but a lot of times we conflate the two. And then um, what we're going to do as we we bring things to a close today is we're going to look at a framework for prayer that we believe Jesus gave us. And so that's where we're going today. But before we look at those attempts to define prayer, I want to spend just a little more time talking about why this matters. There's a place to write this in your notes too. This matters because God has initiated the relationship that we long for most. And he invites us to ask him for good things. That's how I want to start this series. By looking at those two things that he's inviting us. He's inviting us into this relationship that he initiated. He went first. And he invites us into this. I hope as this series unfolds that all of us are going to come away with a renewed appreciation for this privilege that God extends to us when he invites us to pray. Countless theologians have commented on how God didn't create us out of some need that he had. He wasn't lonely. He didn't have some need for excitement or something like that. And he created us. He, didn't have it. he existed in this perfect community. God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And this, so many theologians have said you know, that, that this thing was so wonderful and is so wonderful, this idea of community, that he extended that opportunity for us, that we can experience a taste of that, of what it's like to have those kind of relationships. That relationship was so good, he wants others to experience it too. So our creator, who knows us better than we know ourselves... He wants to bring out the best in us. He wants us to experience authentic relationships. He wants us to experience the peace and the joy that comes with knowing that we're making a real difference in lives around us. He wants to prepare us for eternity. So he initiates. He initiates this relationship. He created us. He called out a people. He taught them his ways that they might serve as a light. And then we just celebrated the day that he stepped into this world as one of us initiating this relationship with himself. So God initiated the relationship we long for most and then he invites us into this relationship and he invites us to ask him for good things. We're going to talk about some of the hard stuff as this this series goes on. Today I want to talk about some of the good things. He invites us to ask him for good things. Here's a passage we looked at before as a church family, but I think it's a great one for today. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. This is our primary text here for today. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to it, I'd encourage you to keep a a finger there or a bookmark there because we're going to reference something that comes right before this as well. It's interesting what it is that comes right before this. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to send you home with one free today. We've got uh, Bibles there at the, the table. Please take one as a gift to you on the way out. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 11, we're going to pick up with verse 5. And Jesus said to them, All right, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot give up and get you anything. I tell you, Though he will not give up, get up, and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, remember that word, impudence, is a word that never hear, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All right, so that's the text we're looking at here today. Does God invite us to ask him for good things? Yes. He invites us to ask him for good things. And are there ever times where we think we're asking for a good thing? And we're not asking for a good thing. Are there ever times where that's true? Yes. In 1977, I was nine years old. Nine years old. And that's the year that the original Star Wars came out. The very first one, 1977. And I remember at Kennedy Elementary, there was this buzz when this movie came out, because it was kind of a slow release. I think it was like less than 50 theaters it originally was released in. So there was this building momentum out there of people who had seen this movie and they said, this thing's great. So there's this buzz in Kennedy Elementary about this movie called Star Wars. And I remember thinking, I want to go see that movie. So I asked my father for what proved to be a good thing, to go to see Star Wars. I asked him and he brought us and that was a good thing. So that was 1977. You know what else came out in 1977? This album. This album. Not this album. These are our series. They came out much later. This album.
1: 1977.
0: I think it was November that this came out. Get that music out of of here. So this came out in 1977. And so I was this kid again in Kennedy Elementary, and this buzz started to go through the school. Of this new album that came out that was just awesome. This new album called Saturday Night Fever. And I'm like, well, it must be awesome because all these kids are talking about how awesome it is. And so I'm like, Dad, you know what I really want for Christmas? You know? I want this album. Oh. There are times where we think we're asking for a good thing, and we're really asking for disco. You know? <laughs> right? And we think, we think we know what we're asking for. When we jump to God in prayer and, and, and we forget who we're talking to, we sometimes jump in with these requests and they may or may not be the right ones. They may or may not even be what we, we really want. Um, I came across this quote as I'm preparing for this message. This is really good. He says this, he goes, Philip Yancey, he says, when I listened to public prayers in evangelical churches, I heard people telling God what to do combined with thinly veiled hints on how others should behave. Isn't that true? If you, if you sit back and listen, isn't, if we're honest, isn't that what a lot of our prayers are? We're telling God what he should do. And often there are thinly, how do you word it, thinly veiled hints on how others should behave as if we know everything. The guy who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis, he put it like this. He said this, one aspect of prayer is request The essence of a request as distinct from compulsion is that it may or may not be granted. And if an infinitely wise being listens to the requests of finite and foolish creatures, of course he will sometimes grant and sometimes refuse them. God invites us to ask him for good things. Sometimes we're sure we want something, but it's not what we really want. Um, kids, do any of you guys have pets at home? We got the kids with us here. Any of you guys have pets at home? Some of you have pets? All right. We got a couple dogs at, at our house. And one of them's named Buddy. And Buddy loves to eat. He loves to eat. And so he's learned sometimes when we're making food that things will drop and stuff like that. So we start making food and Buddy just will come up next to wherever we're cooking. And he's like, all right, I'm ready. I want some food, okay? And, and we could literally be, there are times I'm chopping an onion. And Buddy's like, okay, give me some of that. Give me some of that. And you're like, Buddy, it's an onion. You don't want this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want the onion. No, you don't want the onion. Yeah, I want the onion. You give him the onion. He's like, yuck. I hate onions. <laughs> do we ever do that? We do that. Those of us over 30 years old, how many of you are glad that God hasn't answered every prayer that you've... <laughs> All right. Exactly. C.S. Lewis goes on to say this. C.S. Lewis, he's so brilliant. He says this. There are no doubt... Passages in the New Testament. We just read one of these, by the way. There are no doubt passages in the New Testament, which may seem at first sight to promise an invariable granting of our prayers, but that cannot be what they really mean. For in the very heart of the story, God's story, we meet a glaring instance to the contrary. In Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed in that garden before his crucifixion, the holiest of all petitioners prayed three times a, that a certain cup might pass from him. It did not. After that, the idea that prayer is recommended to us as sort of an infallible gimmick may be dismissed. I love the bluntness of his language. Because there are a lot of people, you'll hear this if you go around certain circles. In certain circles, you'll hear, if you have enough faith, God will answer that. What does the Bible say? and you find, knocking the door will be answered. We have an example to the contrary in Jesus, right? So it can't mean that. So there has to be more to prayer. There has to be more layers to it. There has to be more substance to it. That's why we're going to spend seven weeks on this instead of one. Because we want to dig deeper into prayer. Why are some apparently unanswered? What's going on there? Because he does say, seek and you'll find, knock in the door be answered. Why then don't all prayers get answered the way that we think they should? If we're going to have a serious discussion about answered prayer, we need to start with a clearer understanding of what prayer is and isn't. Because as humans, a lot of times we make assumptions that aren't accurate. Isn't that true? And we don't just do it when it comes to God and prayer. Let's take Siri. How many of you guys have heard of Siri before? All right, that, on, the, on, the, um, on your album art here, that's what we're referencing with this answered prayer series. You've got a little thing of, of Siri. Now, there are some things that Siri can't do or won't do right what would be an example of that because well let's just just shout out something things what would be an example of something that siri can't do or won't do understand understand, understand greg all right stand greg all right what else what would be another example just shout out something a siri can't do or won't do make dinner. make dinner there you go make dinner okay what else Dinner two ends, right? All right. Go to work for you, okay? Go to work. What was the other one? Change the baby. Change the baby. <laughs> yes. Change baby. There are all kinds of tips about how, but baby. But won't actually step up. Change that baby. couple more. Clean your house. Good. Clean. Walk the dog. Walk the Dog. okay so there's all kinds of things that siri just can't do or won't do right now it's not fair for us to say siri should. should siri should we can have suggestions we can have ideas but we're putting our own assumptions our own expectations on something that's just not fair to do do we ever do that type of thing with god where we make these assumptions about what god should do or shouldn't do and a lot of our disappointment, if I can be just very candid, a lot of our disappointment when it comes to prayer reveals a misunderstanding about what prayer is and about who God is. That's where a lot of our disappointment comes from. Now, in, I think it's week three, when we get to the no, we're going to press into some really hard stuff because there are some areas where it doesn't make sense. It doesn't even seem to make sense with the scripture. But in most cases, in most cases, a lot of our disappointment really comes down to a misunderstanding of who God is and isn't. Well, if you set out to explore what God really does reveal in the scripture about prayer, you're going to find prayer is multifaceted, multifaceted. Individual churches, sometimes entire denominations, tend to emphasize certain Aspects of prayer, and maybe you've been a part of those different groups where where they emphasize one piece of prayer, and maybe not the rest, and they really focus on one piece of it. There's a whole lot of books that do the same, and sometimes this is important because if you want to do a deeper dive into any one area, there's a lot to explore in these one areas. And so, some of the books I've got here, some of the different things I've come across in the past, are, are like this. Um, some people remind us of the importance of spiritual warfare picking up on themes that we see in the book of Daniel and in Jesus' confrontations with the demonic realm. And Ephesians chapter 6 is a great example of this. There are other people that remind us when it comes to prayer of the importance to to keep in mind that, that we approach God as his beloved. In fact, there was a book called Bridal Intercession that someone handed me once. I'd never stopped to think of prayer from that perspective before. There are others who emphasize the authority that we have in Christ, and the importance of praying with a bold faith. There are others who emphasize the importance of spiritual disciplines and and the importance of of trying to, to engage in behaviors that will help us be able to better discern God's voice and live out His will. There's others who emphasize God's greatness and His holiness and often make the connection between hearing God and first engaging in true worship. There are others who meet God primarily as friend and their experience with God, and prayer is is best experienced with a nice cup of coffee, a warm blanket, comfortable chair. There are others who emphasize the importance of bringing the kingdom and praying for God's will to be done, especially when there's injustice and oppression. There are so many dimensions to prayer, and all of those that I've given you are important. Well, in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to be zooming back a little bit. and We're going to look at a broader perspective of prayer, because I think that's important too. Because you can get sometimes so narrow that you're missing other important components to prayer. So, in this series, what we're going to do is it unfolds. We're going to look at, like we're doing today, some of the things that Jesus himself said about prayer. We're going to be looking at some of the things that Paul said, especially next week, about prayer. We're going to be looking and spending time in the book of Psalms, especially when we take on that no answer question. And then in addition to the scriptures, I, I highly, highly, highly want to recommend these two books. Um, these, are, these are the kind of books, the kind of reasons why I don't write books, because like, what am I going to say that these guys didn't say? They, they did it so well. Um, this one by Tim Keller is called Prayer, Experiencing On Intimacy with God. This is the best theological framework I've seen, period, when it comes to framing out prayer. It's a really, really good book. And then this one, I like this one for a lot of reasons. This one's by Philip Yancey. It's called Prayer Doesn't Make Any Difference. Some of the things I like about this one are how honesty is. I love honesty. And his own struggles are in there. He gives a lot of practical examples, too, of people who've wrestled with prayer. And, and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. So, so I like, and oh, I also like in that Yancey book, I like how he doesn't duck the hard questions. He, he, he tries his best to, to press into some of those. So, I would encourage you, strongly encourage you to, to read one of those two. Because if we want to go deeper in this area, that to, there's to go more than we can go with 30 minutes on a, on a Sunday morning, right? All right. Well, uh, I remember as I've been you know, studying this for so much of my life and engaging in prayer, I remember coming across this definition of prayer when I did my first ever series on prayer about 15 years ago. Some of you might have been there um, at another church. First ever series on prayer. I remember coming across this definition and thinking, this is a good one. It's by a guy named Graham Cook. I still like it. It goes like this. Prayer is finding out what God wants to do and then asking him to do it. I like a lot of things about this. I like that first, it's about first going to God. God, you know all things. What do you want to do? Okay, now I'm going to pray according to your will. So there's a lot I still like about this definition. But the more that I pray and the more I study prayer, the more I like definitions of prayer that go beyond the asking. Because I think prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is so much more than the asking for things, even if they're things that align with God's will. So here's a broader definition on prayer, the kind of definitions you'll come across, especially if you go to seminary. Um, this one is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It says prayer is offering up our desires to God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with the confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. What I like about these kind of definitions is they're getting a little broader. What I don't like is this one feels so clinical. And prayer is primarily relational. And so of the definitions that I've seen, my favorite definition right now comes out of that Tim Keller book. And here's what it is. I, I love this definition of prayer. Prayer is the continuation of a conversation that God has started. I love that definition. Prayer is a continuation of a conversation that God has started. I love that has started because it's God that initiates it is God that initiates. We have to remember that. Prayer is so much less about us coming to God. It's about encountering this God who initiates these conversations. So I love that. I also love um, the, the, where it talks about the, the conversation part of it. Because at, at its essence, prayer is about having a relationship with a real and personal God. And then I love that continuous language. I'm a big believer that, that we should set aside specific times to pray. Jesus did that. But I'm also, the more I'm understanding while prayer, the more I'm seeing it's something that we are invited to do throughout our day. That it becomes more of just, it's almost like breathing in and out. We're aware of God's presence and guidance throughout the day. So I really like this definition. But then the question is, how do we get there? How do we get there? And there's a place to write this down in your notes. God cares enough to teach us to pray. This isn't something where he's just standing back and go, you figure this out. He wants to teach us to pray. If I had to answer the question, why pray in one sentence, my answer would be because Jesus did. There's so many unknowns when it comes to prayer. But if I had to answer it in one sentence, why pray? Because Jesus did. And It was so fun. Yancey, as I was reading his book, that's that's the conclusion he comes to as well. Jesus' original disciples. They wanted to be more like Jesus. And one of the reasons they wanted to be more like him, because he had this connection with God, right? He had this connection with God. And right before the passage that we read earlier, the one where God invites us, or, or yeah, God invites us to ask him for good things, the disciples right before that asked Jesus, Teach me to pray. And that's why I'm in the Creedence, I said, you know, Leave the Bible open and take a look at there, because right before the passage we read, Jesus teaches them to pray. In a prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer today. He taught them to pray. Jesus taught them to pray a prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer that frames our conversation with God really, really well. It's a prayer that reminds us of who God is. It's a prayer that reminds us to pray for His kingdom to come. For His will to be done. It's a prayer that helps us differentiate between our wants and our needs. It's a prayer that reminds us of the ways that we contribute. To the world's brokenness. Imagine our conversations with God would be different if we would pray more like Jesus taught. To start off with coming to his presence by remembering that he's our Father. Who oh, is in heaven, hallowed be your name. To, to be reminded of who it is that we're coming to. To be reminded of both his greatness and his goodness and to honor him for it. To include in our prayer a searching of ourselves. And asking God, you know, will you help restore what's broken in me? And to seek for his wisdom and his guidance with the confidence that the one who designed the solar system, he knows what he's doing. You know, think how different that kind of prayer is from magic. Because there's 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 two different kinds of magic, right? There's the kind that we see like on TV and stuff like that where people are trying to trick us and manipulate and deceive us, Right? We never, never want to do that when it comes to prayer. Never exaggerate to other people about prayer. You know, even if your intentions are good. Oh, I want, I want this person to, to pray more. So, I'll, you know, no, don't, don't ever exaggerate. Don't ever manipulate. Let's be real. Let's be honest when it comes to prayer. Then there's that other kind of magic that, that might be interesting to explore sometime. And that is like spells and curses and, and these, these kind of things. Well, that kind of magic, if I understand it, you, ha- you, you try to get a spell right. And if you get the spell right, then something happens. And we don't want prayer to turn into that either. Where we think, if I get the words right, if I get my posture right, if I pray in the right exact ways, if I get the formulas right, then God will answer my prayer. Well, what you're really doing there is you're trying to control God we don't think like that, but that's what we're trying to do. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. One of the reasons that I chose the, the passage in Luke that I chose for this week is that it contains a word that I think is so important for us to remember. It's a word that appeared in verse eight. It's the one we highlighted on the screens when I said, remember this word. It, it's translated in English as impudence. And it's a word that means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper, a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. This gives me hope. This gives me hope because who was speaking in Luke 11, who was was giving us that teaching? It was Jesus, right? Jesus himself. And he was speaking about what topic? He was speaking about prayer, right? So in that passage that Jesus taught about prayer, the one we read earlier, Jesus gave an example of a guy who didn't follow all the rules. He didn't follow the conventional rules. He got it wrong. He wasn't doing things the way he should have done them. And yet his request, which ultimately was an important request, was granted. There's God's grace in action there. When it comes to prayer, a lot of us, again, we think God isn't answering my prayer because I'm not doing it right. Or I wish I could say it right. When I listen to other people pray, it seems like they're so much better at this than me. This is one of these verses where where we can see you don't have to get it right. Ultimately, the, the most important thing is that we're coming to God. The most important part is the relationship. And you might mess up all the words. That's not what's important. It doesn't work like magic. Because God sees our heart and he knows what's inside. Before The word says before a word is spoken on our lips, he knows it. It's about coming to him and being real and authentic. And that said, it's not a formula, but there's some things, some ways that God taught us to pray that help get our mind and help get our hearts and help get our perspective in the right place. So that we're not just going off in the direction that we shouldn't go off. And I remember first hearing about this framework in college, the ACTS framework. This is probably familiar to many of you. And it it stands for this. If you look at the way Jesus taught, you see most of this in the Lord's Prayer, and you certainly see all of it in the way that he lived his life. This framework for prayer that includes, A stands for adoration, which is is about honoring God for who he is. It's about understanding who it is we're talking to, recognizing that. Remember that he is all-knowing and all-powerful. Remembering that he's good good oh 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 as we sang earlier right and then there's confession that part where we remember who we are and that we're coming as broken we're coming as fallible we're coming as people who sometimes think we know more than we do often me often thinking i know more than i do The tea, Thanksgiving. You know, we don't, especially at Christmas time, we can get this visual, right? Where we don't want to be that kid who's sitting there surrounded by all these great gifts and we're focused on the one thing we didn't get, right? We don't want that to be us. Thanksgiving helps us to remember all these great things that God has done and is doing in our lives. And then comes supplication. Supplication is a beautiful word. It's a word that, 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 that speaks to like this deep longing, deep longing that we bring before God, a deep longing for, for, for justice or for something that is a true need. So here's my challenge for us as we begin this series. We invite you to integrate more ACT into each day. And that's not a typo. As I've been really praying, how do we frame out this series? Where do we start this series? I think this is, this is where we want to start, to incorporate more A-C-T. Which one did I leave out? The S. Now, does God invite us to ask him for good things? Yes, hopefully I made that clear. And if you, if you, if you feel like I have no, no, no right, I have no um, grounds to ask God for anything, he's given you those grounds. If you're not asking God for good things, please do. The reason I'm putting ACT, it might be projection, but I look at my own life. I don't know what percent is S, but most of it. I jump right to the S when it comes to prayer. I start blurting out all the things that I think I want and need. And I spend so much less time on these other important parts. So If nothing else in this series, it would be a win for most of us. If before we jumped to the S, we started focusing more on the A and the C and the T. And we'll be talking more about that as this series goes on. Imagine if we didn't just lead with our requests as often as we did. But imagine if throughout our day we spent a higher percentage of our day honoring God for who he is and recognizing him for it. What if when we did do something that we knew was wrong and the Holy Spirit convicted us, right If right then we're like, God, I am sorry. Or in a conversation, if we did it to somebody else, I'm sorry. What if that was just a regular part of our lives? And then Thanksgiving, what if we went through our day being thankful for all these things that we just take for granted? Might that help us with perspective when it comes to bringing our requests to God? I came across this great quote in my reading. It says this, you should not begin to pray for all that you want, Until you realize that in God, you have all that you need. Isn't that good? Imagine if we accepted this challenge, and not just as individuals, but together. Because one of the things that the sources I was looking at did a great job of reminding me of is that the Lord's Prayer, the prayer he taught us to pray, it's plural. It's plural. It's our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, earth is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass. this this is really important imagine and here's the last talk point we have for today in the notes imagine this you know imagine if we began praying as well let me just say it as it's written praying as jesus taught us to pray is one of the ways that we can honor the name emmanuel praying as jesus taught us to pray Because how sad would it be if people were observing us, whether when we're meeting all together as a big church or when we're in small church or whatever, imagine how sad it would be if someone would say of us that our prayers sound like little more than us telling God what to do combined with thinly veiled hints on how others should behave. What if instead, as we move into 2018 and beyond, what if they began to see and hear us pray more like Jesus? Wouldn't that be something? So let's commit ourselves to that end. That's what the series is about. as the worship band comes forward to close us with a great song about God being our vision, um, let's pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. I've included it in the back of your notes. You can take it home with you if this is a prayer that you're not familiar with. Let's pray this together out loud. Should we? Um, As we close out this part of our series. Please join me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.